Okay, perfect. Good morning. <laughs> oh, sorry. Welcome to <laughs> Dit North Church Live, 575 million feet underground in our Dit North Church bunker. Um, we're the last, I guess. Uh, and so I'm joined today by my wife, Chelsea, who's a master's licensed social worker, and my other wife, Vianette. No, oh, sorry. No, no, no. No, no, that's just another person here. Vianette Garza, who is a licensed professional counselor. And uh, we're kind of doing part two of something we started a week ago. And I'll introduce that in just a moment. But for now, um, I wanted to make just a few statements up front, kind of in a way of introduction. Uh, we have a chat uh, open on the Facebook uh, live that you can send questions during our uh, short interview panel here. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you're thinking, and we'll stop to try to answer those along the way. Like Michelle already told us that she's earing yogurt. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it could mean she's wearing yogurt or eating or both. So, uh, yeah, please send us your, uh, you know, maybe related to the topic comments, uh, and that would, uh, would be great. Uh, also, this is kind of our format for the foreseeable future. For at least the next three or four weeks, we're going to be doing these interviews uh, here at the ranch. And so um, we'll have some different people. We're going to continue on with our topics. We're in a series right now on emotions and the character of God from Isaiah 40. For those of you just joining us. And uh, yeah, we're going to be here and, and doing this for the next couple of weeks. With that said, um, we obviously have some needs still as a church in terms of giving. So we'd love you to continue giving uh, if you're capable and able to do it now. A lot of platforms uh, to be able to do that, particularly on the website. And, um, you know, while GDAC has been you know, great with us, letting us not do our rent payments, um, we do still, you know, Leslie and I are still working uh, full time. And then on top of that, we're going to have a lot of benevolence needs and uh, needs for people who are struggling in our Denton community and in our church community and even beyond that. Already the auto ministry has uh, been swamped this last uh, week and a half. So please still give, um, make that a priority um, to go ahead and do that. And that would be, uh, would be awesome and be helpful for being able to provide for people who really need it. Alrighty, so we're going to read Isaiah 40. I'm not going to ask you to quote it because you'll all cheat uh, online typing it. So we'll just read it and then uh, give you kind of a transition from our last talk and then we'll go from there. So here quickly, starting with verse uh, one, we'll read all the way through to where we're at now. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass and their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers and flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. 
you who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And the last two weeks, we've been in this section 12 through 14, talking about counseling. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? So last week, uh, we talked about the need for counseling. And in particular, we talked about the idea that if God's gentleness is ultimately about um, us knowing him and knowing who he is, then we've got to kind of know ourselves or at least have something inside of us that knows us and knows God. And we use the, the scripture of 1 Corinthians um, to talk about how the spirit knows both God and us. And that one of the most important ideas of self-knowledge is self-knowledge isn't just about me knowing more about who I am. As Christians, it's about me knowing that God knows who I am and loves me anyway and wants me to continue to grow and change and uh, live the life that is kind of truly life. And so I, I mentioned two things um, a few weeks ago, and that was that the real kind of main idea of counseling is one is that we're getting a voice outside our own that challenges our own voice with experiences that we've never had. And God here talks about, you know, what experiences have you had? Have you had these experiences from the ends of the earth? He's talking there about um, we're limited in our experience in our ability to understand so many of the things that go on around us and in our own hearts and lives. The second part was the idea that uh, we don't even have the ideas necessary often to talk about a lot of the things that we're struggling or understand. And so we need a counselor, whether that counselor is the Holy Spirit, as it's referred to in the scripture, or whether that's counsel that counselor is someone speaking uh, on behalf of God or even not to give us information uh, and ideas that help us deal with so many of the things that we have going on. And so that's really kind of the premise of the talk about counseling and why it's important to talk about counseling and uh, emotions. And so that's why I asked Chelsea and Vianette um, to come and talk. And I just have a couple questions for them um, to think through and answer for us. And also, just as a side note, we do have audio still on our webpage for a longer talk that we did uh, two or three semesters ago where both Chelsea and Vianette, we did like four classes an hour each, I think. And there's a lot of really practical uh, thoughts and, and things there that you can go and reference. And that would be really helpful as well. I don't remember doing that. Yeah, you did it. You did it. Believe it How or not, funny. you did it. We have a recording of it. I have no. And Vianette. So it's a really together? helpful resource. I listened okay, to it before. I listened to it before. It's really, really helpful. So um, please go back, and we're only going to spend a couple minutes on this. So if you want something more extensive, please spend some time thinking about that. All righty. You guys ready to roll? Yeah. You get it ready to get into this? Let's do it. Okie dokie. All right. So one of the most important questions I think that people have is the idea of how do I know when I need counseling? And uh, particularly, how do I know when I need to recommend counseling to someone else? Mm -hmm. And we differentiated 
two types, really three, but two major types of counseling a couple of weeks ago. And that was more pastoral counseling and then licensed professional counseling. So there's like four aspects to this question. Okay. So just start wherever you want to start. And yeah. Let's go. I think when I was thinking about how to know when you need counseling, I think of a um, contentment being a baseline. And if you're experiencing anxiety or depression or anger or sadness more often than you experience being content, that's probably a sign that you need some sort of counseling. Then the other piece for that is if talking to your family or friends isn't helpful at all, or if you have those emotions and you don't know why, you don't know why you're reacting a certain way, then that's also a really good sign that you need counseling. And I use the word contentment instead of happiness because I think happiness is Mm -hmm. kind of an overrated word. We don't all experience happiness 24-7. That's very, Mm -hmm. um, that's just not a real thing. And so I think contentment is more of a baseline. Like you should just be okay. But if you're not feeling okay um, as often as you used to maybe or as Mm -hmm. you see other people feeling that way, then that would be a good time to seek out um, professional counseling, in my opinion. Yeah. My first thought with this question was counseling really never hurts. Um, It's in a lot of ways it can be like preventative health care. You could do preventative mental health care. the only time it really hurts is those crazy rare circumstances where you get a really bad unethical counselor, which is They're super, but that's rare. Right. Um, and also sort of the rule of thumb with mental health diagnoses is if you have these symptoms that are interrupting your functioning, mm-hmm. taking away from your contentment for at least two weeks, that's kind of the rule of thumb, um, for a lot of depression diagnoses yeah. and, and generally anxiety diagnoses. So, um, if you're really wanting, okay, what's a hard and fast answer for me? When do I know I've hit the point where I need to seek counseling? You've had these feelings for two weeks and you're not able to cope with them and it's taking away from your quality of life. Then I would say it's time to go, um, seek a counselor. Do you want us to talk about the other part of that question? Like, yeah, I mean, I think, so I would just add to that, that one of the things for me, uh, which sort of mine was a little bit less about counseling and more about medication was when, you know, I've struggled with depression ever since I can remember, uh, kind of was really bad during high school, but you know, I could expect that there would be two, maybe four weeks out of the year that I was going to, uh, you know, um, deal with that. But then when it started to become one or two weeks out of every month, that's when I sort of, you know, and maybe I waited too long. I don't know, but I noticed that there was a change in, uh, how much I was experiencing uh, just these really, really low kind of debilitating feelings. And so that was really helpful. But yeah, the, the second part of the question, which is in some ways answered, is the idea of how do you encourage others uh, to seek counseling? And then um, pastoral versus you know, licensed professional counseling. And just to remind people what we talked about with pastoral counseling is pastors are great at counseling, really kind of, you know, mild to maybe moderate issues, pretty general and where licensed professional counseling tends to be better for uh, general issues, but all the way up to sometimes severe, and it can be really specifically targeted. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think when you're in community um, and you are having these types of emotions, other people are going to notice. Um, it's either going to come out because you're isolating yourself or you are... Um, getting angry easier or your feelings are getting hurt easier. And so when you start noticing that someone um, is just experiencing 
emotions that weren't there before, that would be a good time to let them suggest that they go see a counselor. Um, but also when big things happen and big things don't have to be all bad things, like good things are also really, really stressful. So if someone in your life is going through a big transition in their life or a big change and um, you as a friend or as a family member don't really know how to support them through it, that's also a good time to suggest that they go see someone. And I mentioned that the good things, because oftentimes it feels like unless a big traumatic moment happens, mm -hmm. then you don't really need to. But like I go back to when I was getting married. It was a really, really happy time really, really stressful time. And I was in my master's program and I was receiving counseling and it was super helpful, even though it was a really, really good thing. Yeah. I think if you find yourself having the same cyclical conversations with someone over and over again, where the circumstances may be different, the stressors may be different, but their unhealthy response is consistent. Yeah. They're consistently getting, you know, triggered by small things. They're consistently getting overly emotional about things, overly depressive, overly anxious. And you're noticing that where it feels like, okay, the ABC is different, but the core of what's happening is this is, we've been here before. We're having the same conversation we've had before. That's can be a really good time for you as their friend to say, like, I, I'm not sure how else to help you through this. I think you might need to go talk to somebody, um, who can. Yeah. And we talked about this uh, last time, but the idea that so many of us have acquaintance relationships now and sometimes not near as many close friends, it's tough for us sometimes to rely on our friends to counsel us. Um, and so being able to recognize that uh, if you're not having pretty helpful conversations with people or people aren't opening up with you or whatever, and they're your friends, maybe it would be much more helpful to send them to somebody, whether that's a pastor or not. Some are going to be, you know, uh, most of us will be able to refer people. Uh, that can just be really, really helpful. Someone asked uh, what the class was on the, online. It's just called mental health class. Uh, I think we have a part one, part two. You also have to look. I don't remember for sure, but it's a mental health class. I don't class. remember at all. <laughs> yeah. Mental health class. That's what's uh, on our, uh, our page. Okay. Uh, so next question here is... Uh, yeah, what are some realistic expectations for counseling? In Did terms you want us of, to talk about pastoral versus professional? Uh, we might come back to it okay. in a moment. Sorry, I'll let you. No, it's fine. So uh, some realistic expectations for counseling in terms of time for growth, cost, more practical concern, mm -hmm. and just compatibility with, uh, with counselors. So, yeah. Yeah, I was really glad that you asked this question. Um, because Thank as, you. Yeah, you're welcome. I wasn't. <laughs> I think um, often it feels like counselors that we're going to fix people's problems, and that is not what we do at all. Um, we aren't going to just magically make you feel better. In fact, whenever I start um, seeing a client, I have them sign an informed consent, and a part of that informed consent talks about the dangers of counseling because it's really hard to get into emotions that you've been avoiding for I don't know how long. So it's not going to be a you go once and you feel better. You're often going to go for a while and you're going to be feeling like you're going to be getting into those negative emotions. So it's going to be really hard. So it's going to be um, some time before you start seeing like, okay, this is helpful. Um, so yeah, just usually you're going through your insurance, you get about 12 sessions. Unfortunately, I personally don't think that's enough. I usually think that it's going to be a lot longer depending on the issue. Um, 
But yeah, so don't expect to go in, see a counselor two to three times and that your um, issues are going to be fixed. And then in terms of like pricing, if you have insurance, it's going to be your copay about $25. If you don't have insurance or you don't want to use it for some reason, um, it's going to be about 65 if you're seeing an intern like myself or up to 150, um, depending on who you're seeing and their specialty. If you have more serious issues and need to see a specialist in trauma, that's going to be a lot higher as well. If you are um, a student, you always have access to counseling on campus, but that there's going to be a limit on the number of sessions and there's going to be um, usually a wait list on that as well. So before, because I don't want to forget a few extra things I wanted to say about mm -hmm. the cost of a lot of private practice counselors don't accept insurance, yeah. um, which means that cost is going to be, I would guess, in the range of $120 to $150 per yeah. session. Some of them will do sliding scale. That's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. So some will do sliding scale, which means based on how much money you make, they will adjust their fee accordingly. There's also nonprofit agencies that offer counseling and therapy. A lot of that is specified and you have to meet certain criteria for it. I work at a rape crisis center and we offer free therapy for anyone who's been a victim of sexual assault. Um, there's a waiting list for a lot of those types of things, though, because the need is so high. And But there are options out there. If it's a specified need and you meet certain criteria, you can receive some of those free services. Yeah. Here in Denton, I interned at Denton County Friends of the Family, and they are a really cool organization because they do a lot of um, free therapy as well for victims of domestic violence or sexual assault. Um, but if you go online, um, United Way has a really cool list of free counseling resources. And like Chelsea said, um, usually counselors that don't take insurance is because getting on insurance panels is really, really difficult and it's a lot easier to just take cash. I know I have a private practice that I do on Saturdays and it's well, one, I legally can't do insurance panels just yet. Um, but I know that I say I charge a certain thing, but I often end up lowering it a whole lot um, just because I genuinely want to help my my clients. As uh, uh, Let me say it because I'm going to forget. One of the things I would, I would say is, and this is important for a follow-up kind of question about compatibility with counselors, mm -hmm. I would at least defer to your counselor to decide how much you ought to meet. Because oh, some yeah. counselors are really good at saying, we only need six sessions. And they're not trying to rush you. A lot of it's because it's stuff that you need to do at home. It's stuff yes. that you need to practice and you're not practicing anything. You're just coming and talking each time. And others will say, okay, we need to, to uh, draw this out a little bit longer. But I don't think the majority of counselors are trying to like make you meet longer or no. trying to get rid of you because they don't like you. Um, although that happens in a rare number of cases and that's where compatibility of counselor comes. So trust their take on it. Many of them, they see a lot of people, they kind of have a, a better, uh, expectation timeline than, than you're going to have. So, yeah, that brought up for me. Um, I definitely, I want to stop seeing my clients. Like I have, uh, three clients right now that I've been seeing. We're about to be going to a year, but I don't see them every week. So not as much, but my goal is to not have to see them again. I never want to keep a client going longer. One, it's unethical um, to keep a client going when they don't need it. But two, I genuinely care about the people that I see and I want them to do better. And then the other thing that uh, you brought up is things that they have to do at home. Because I only see my clients for an hour once a week if, which means that that's where it goes to. I'm not going to magically make someone better. I'm going to... Um, 
make suggestions and ask questions and be a mirror to their emotions. But a lot of the hard work is going to have to be in their daily lives. Mm -hmm. Because if my clients are going home and not making any changes, then nothing I do in those 45 minutes to 50 minutes is going to really matter. Going back to the number of sessions that you can expect, I do think there are circumstances where if you're, you know, like what Vianette talked about earlier, there's a specific transition happening, a specific big event happening. I think it's perfectly fine to say, I'm going to go for three or four sessions with a counselor just to get some perspective on what's going on and to make sure like I have my head on right, make sure I'm sort of seeing this clearly. I did that about six months after my mom died when some of the dust had settled like emotionally for me. But then, you know, I was, I felt like my whole life was now rearranged and my whole family dynamic was rearranged. And I wanted to go see someone to get some perspective on that. And I saw her for, you know, I went maybe four or five times and it was really helpful though. It got me to kind of, she did exactly what Vienna is saying. She held that mirror up to me and helped me sort of piece together like, okay, what's my new normal with my family going to be like now that my mom's gone and what, what perspective do I need that I'm not seeing or what are some angles here that I have been either ignoring or not aware of? Um, it wasn't about deeper ongoing mental health issues. It was a circumstantial thing yeah. that I needed help sorting through. And I wanted someone who was a professional and who wasn't also in that mess with me, yeah. someone who's kind of an outside perspective. Um, I think a false expectation of counseling, because we were, you were asking like, what are healthy expectations? Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people go into it or they hesitate to go into counseling because they think like, how could I possibly get this stranger to really understand yeah. me, to really understand all of my history, all of my family dynamic, all of the junk that makes me who I am and then get them to actually be able to help me. But what I think you'll learn counselors, therapists, fill in the blank, they're trained to ask questions and to help you piece those things together. And in doing so, in answering their questions and talking out loud and getting some of this stuff out of your head and, and you know, vocalized where someone can sort of sort it for you, you start to see those bigger things of like, oh my goodness, there's a reason why when somebody asks me, tell me about your family, these are the three things I say. There's a reason why these are the things that keep coming up. There's a reason why these are the things that I keep mentally and emotionally going back to or keep struggling with, struggling to process, or I keep feeling hurt by. And when you're explaining that to a professional who knows what trails to follow, okay, that was important. Let's talk about that. It all becomes much clearer for you. Um, and it's almost like you're getting all the puzzle pieces out of your brain and out onto the table to piece them together with someone who can help. And I think the other two, the thing is that they're meeting with tons of people. So they're experiencing a lot of similar things. I mean, we're all different. We all have really unique situations, but there's still a lot of commonalities. And so they can draw on their experience with others to get a good sense um, of, uh, of what you may be struggling you know, with. One of my favorite things to do, I also work at TW with students, helping them figure out what they want to do with their lives in terms of their career. And if I ask the right questions and I bring out the right themes, they figure it out on their oh, own. Absolutely. And yeah. so I don't have to be the one who tells them. And I love like having a student in front of me who's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this is what I wanted to do with my life. But if I had told them day one, they would have been like, no, that's not it. 
So it really is、um, pretty cool to see that just by being that mirror, you get people to make realizations. Whereas if I had gone to my mom and she told me this is what you need to do, I would not have accepted it. But when it's my idea, I do. So we're gonna have to move through this a little bit more quickly, which is great. And、um, I starting to see some questions here. Make sure that you guys think through some questions you want have answered. I want to talk briefly about two things, and they're kind of related, but only kind of. One is the idea of online counseling, which is becoming more prevalent.、Yeah. And if you have any experience with it, and if you have any quick thoughts about it, but then also just the whole idea of compatibility with counselor,、yeah. uh, and how to seek out. You know, because we've had people who've obviously sought out, like for instance, inter- more international. Cross-cultural counselors who you know、yeah. help them kind of understand how hard it is to be in another culture, things like that. Whereas other cultures didn't, or other counselors didn't understand it. So with telehealth, I actually have a、um, training that I have to do this week、um, because I don't have experience doing it. But it、you、is called it telehealth. Yeah, telehealth is what we're calling it.、Um, so I'm actually doing a very extensive training this week. So I'll let y'all know how that goes.、Um, the biggest part of it is we're trying to use. Video systems that are HIPAA compliant. We don't want to use just like FaceTime or anything like that because we don't want anyone to be able to hack in or any information to be let out. So I think the biggest concern with telehealth right now is just confidentiality, making sure that our、um, clients are still、um, safe in their in what they're telling us.、Um, I think one of the struggles I'm going to have with it is that I really appreciate just that being there. In the room with someone, I really like、um, taking notice of the body language. Just really taking notice of the room. I use silence a lot, and so I don't know how I'm going to do it through a video screen just yet. So that's my thought on that. And then I do want to go back on compatibility in、yeah. just a second. But Chelsea, do you have any thoughts on that? I just think it's coming, and it'll probably be more frequent. Uh, especially with just coronavirus and how it's limiting what therapists、mm-hmm. and counselors are able to do right now, I think that there will be probably some leaps and bounds made as we're forced into more of that.、Yeah. So, I I think that it can be completely helpful, and it's different, but I think we'll find strengths within it, just like any other area of therapy. And in terms of compatibility, I cannot say that. So when I was looking for a counselor, I actually went through like three or four before I found one that I really, really felt like she got me. And the biggest thing was the cultural piece. My first counselor, she was a white woman, had her own private practice.、Um, I am assuming、um, made quite a bit of money because her private practice was really nice. And there was a few times that I'd go in there and talk about my family dynamics and. The things that frustrated me about my mom and my dad that were pretty cultural, and she'd kind of dismiss them like just do what you want, and it was really hard because like I can't do that. I can't just tell my mom like screw you. I'm gonna do what I want. That's not gonna happen in my culture. I can. I can. <laughs> Brad can. He's white. He can do it,、um, but I couldn't. And、um, so that there was a point where I had to realize like okay you're just not really getting it and we're supposed to get it regardless of race、um, we're trained in diversity and multiculturalism and we're supposed cultural to cultural competency yes a big keyword we're supposed to be but still we don't always get that and then I had another counselor who the first time didn't really listen and she just kind of told me to journal and I was like okay cool I don't want to pay you to tell me to journal <laughs> not gonna do that. And then I finally found a counselor, and she was a woman of color. And 
I felt like I didn't have to explain my experience to her. She just got it. Like um, whenever I was telling her how the news or politics or comments my friends made, how they made me feel uncomfortable, she was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So that was a really, really big deal for me. So um, it might take a little bit. You just have to know yourself. And I always tell like when my friends ask me, um, help me find a counselor, I'm like, it might take a few times. That doesn't mean that they're not a bad counselor. I'm sure those two first. Uh, they doesn't were... mean they are a bad counselor. Yeah, yeah. You said that doesn't mean they're not a bad counselor. Oh, so that they are. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Um, the judge over here. It doesn't mean that they're not bad at their job because they probably that are. They could be. Oh, no. Um, they probably were good counselors, just not for me. I think just be mindful if you're the common denominator and every counselor you go to isn't right for you, you need to be reflecting on why and oh, yeah. Yeah. honest with yourself. Yeah. So we're going to switch gears a little bit here and talk about some things I think are a little bit more difficult. We do have one question. Do you recommend a Christian counselor? And uh, we talked about this in our last uh, session and the idea was simply that I would prefer a good a counselor who's not a Christian over a, a mediocre counselor who is. And maybe that's um, not fair, but that's just kind of my, my thinking. You know, uh, a lot of the early church fathers saw science as the second book of God. And if we think about psychology as science, then it's important that we have scientists and people who are thinking about their counseling practice and who aren't just um, doing biblical counseling as if the Bible has a whole lot to say about that. But if you want more information on that, I think you probably ought to look uh, into or listen to our last session on that. But with that said, uh, the next question I had here is, what do you tell people who have been told to seek a, uh, not seek a counselor because God can handle it? I wrote three things. Yeah, he can handle it by using a counselor to help you handle it. Also, do you never go see a doctor? Counseling is the same thing. And when we go to any professional for any service that we can't do ourselves, we don't make that into a, you know, trusting God versus not trusting God battle. So I'm not sure why we make counseling that battle. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I think, um, again, we talked about this a lot last time, but we've got to remember ever since, you know, the people of Israel wouldn't listen to God at Mount Sinai because his voice was scary. They asked for Mount an Sinai. Mount Sinai. <laughs> Sinai. Mount Sinai. Hey, I'm not the only one That's making. a band name. Mount Sinai. It's no, Sinai. I know, but it sounds okay. it sound like Sinai. Redo it, please. Let's just redo the entire thing. Yeah, cut. 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 <laughs> oh, live. Live. Okay, great. Yeah, never mind. So um, the people didn't want to hear directly from God, and they asked for an intermediary. That's the whole idea of a prophet. And a counselor can be very prophetic in our lives and can function that way. And certainly it's great if the person who is counseling is a Christian, which you'll find plenty of Christians who are counseling who aren't doing Christian counseling, yep. if that makes sense. In the same way we talked about as music, there's a lot of Christians doing music that's actually good. And it's pretty hard to find Christian music that's even remotely good. Uh, so that's the idea with the, the counseling piece there. And um, so the next one is kind of is similar, but how would you help differentiate the voice of God from the voice of their counseling? Because I think that is important. Sometimes we do need to, because some of our counseling is based on societal ideas about personhood and yeah. individuality yeah. and, you know, uh, values and ethics that aren't directly tied mm -hmm. to uh, what God wants for us. How do we differentiate sometimes the voice of a counselor from you know the voice of God? Well, I just want to be clear about values and ethics. I think a lot of the values and ethics of these fields are very in line. Yeah. 
with godly values and ethics and Christ-like values and ethics. Just so you know, ask me or Vianette, we'll happily tell you about our ethical codes and how Christ-like they are. Um, just a little defense of our field. Secondly, I do think you're responsible for differentiating between the voice of God and the voice of your counselor. Your counselor, no counselor is meant to be, you know, the end all be all voice of wisdom for you. I see a lot of people and there's like a trend, I think, um, where it's like people idolize their therapists and almost are like followers of their therapist. I don't experience it. (laughs) not very good but i and that's not that's not how it's meant to be i think it's it's one part of you being like a healthy whole person and so it's completely uh, necessary for you to take okay what is my counselor telling me and advising me and testing that against scripture and testing that against um how god has told us to live and how jesus modeled his life for us. I think there is a lot of feel good psychology kind of permeating the field and it's not really based on theory. And it's a lot based on this false idea of self-care. And if it's toxic, cut it out. Toxic people cut the relationship. That's sort of the Instagram psychology of the day. And I think that's what Brad is referring to. Those things don't always align with what Jesus has told us. We're called to be sacrificial. We're called to be selfless. So I think there is a time when it's like, okay, you're advising me this. My counselor is telling me this. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to test it against scripture. And then I'm also going to talk to a person who I trust spiritually. And I'm going to kind of run it through their filter as well. You know, maybe someone else who's a member of the same body as I am who can tell me like, yeah, if you do this, here are some of the repercussions of that. And just sort of piece that together. That takes a lot more work. And I think it's supposed to take work. I don't think it's supposed to be easy to navigate some of these tough things that you're going to counseling for. Um, But because it's just because it's tough doesn't mean it's not worth it or right. Yeah. I think like as a counselor, I can't tell anyone what you tell me, but you as the client or the patient, you can tell other people what's going on in the room and you are um, called um, to be a part of the community and to share with others what's going on. Um, If we go back to, what works and doesn't work. If you're keeping everything that's going on in the counseling room to yourself, then it might not be working. Um, I know the theory that I practice from, um, how I measure health is how socially connected people are. And so if you're coming to see a counselor and you're not sharing with anyone what's going on in there, it's going to be really hard to discern what's coming from God and what's not. Mm -hmm. But if you're sharing with other people and you're involving other people and you're healing, just like you would when you're sick, you have people bring you soup and like help you out then that's how you're going to determine what's coming from God and what isn't. And seeing a Christian counselor can be the the happy medium for this, where you can sort of kill two birds with one stone. You're getting that counseling while also getting, you know, scriptural truth out loud, you know, clearly spoken in the midst of that. Um, But like Brad is saying, like, Vianette and I are both Christians and I speak scriptural truth to my clients all the time. Um, I'm just not calling it that, but I am spreading that and I am kind of permeating all of the work that I do as a social worker with God's truth. So Christian counseling isn't the only option. Yeah. God doesn't want us to make an idol of the Bible. His voice and word come to us uh, from people, from, you know, nature, as Paul talks about in Romans. And if we're trying to fit in, you know, science that's simply not there in the scripture, uh, we're ultimately becoming a voice 
of God that's not sanctioned by God. And I think that's really, really important. So you guys got 20 seconds to end with a final encouragement or thought or something for people who are possibly going to seek counseling, currently doing, you know, kind of counseling uh, or, you know, sort of on the, the fringe on whether or not they should. So just one statement. Or so. (laughs) We got to end. As a counselor, I just wanted to say I love all my clients. Um, I care about all of them. I like pray for them. I think about them and I want them to be better. So it can be really scary to talk to a stranger, but know that if they have been trained well and they're ethical, um, they're going to care about you. It's my biggest thing. Yeah, I think I sort of like liken it to physical therapy that it's going to be really it can be really painful yeah. and really uncomfortable, but it is really can be really good for you. And I always want to tell people like make you need to go to counseling to be healthy, not just to be validated. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are like, I have this issue. I want to go here that, yeah, I'm allowed to do whatever I want. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing it fine. It's all about me and what I need. That's not a healthy whole perspective. So going to counseling for the purpose of, I want to be as mentally and emotionally healthy as possible so that I can be a better friend, a better family member, a better disciple, a better member of my church, not so that I can be validated in my own thinking. Um, And a good counselor won't just validate your own thinking. They will push you and stretch you. And that's where it becomes painful, but ultimately really good for you. Awesome. We're going to end with that. Um, stay tuned. We'll be here next week and for the following weeks uh, for now. A couple of topics we've got coming up uh, are emotional idolatry with April and Tabby. I don't think Tabby's even agreed, but uh, you'll be here, Tabby. And uh, uh, Bree J and Sarah are going to do uh, God's emotion and his purpose for ours. Uh, that's Jamie Ann, if you don't know Jay. Bree J? Uh, yeah, sure. And then Chad and Lawrence talking about feeling distant from God. So we're going to have some different things. Um, continue to be reading Isaiah 40. Uh, you're welcome to go back and look through uh, some of the other uh, you know, resources we've put up. Remember, we have awe still out there, and that's a great way to you know do all four of those topics as worship and either at home or in a very, very small group. And uh, yeah, so thank you guys for uh, participating, and uh, uh, stay safe. Bye. Peace. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.